All right, so good morning again. I'm recording this because I want to listen to it again, and I want to know if I made a mistake or what I can improve upon. But today we're going to talk about how to be saved. Right? Um, in the old days, this was a question that's top of mind. People want to know how to be saved. And uh, nowadays, I don't think we think about that too much. Right? Um, it's not a top of mind question for us. Top of mind questions for us nowadays is, oh, hold on. That's okay, that's okay. I can, I can control this. Okay, hold on. The top of mind question for us today is, where am I gonna get my food tonight, right? Uh, where's my new job? Where's my next job? Am I gonna get sick? Are my kids gonna grow up great? Are they going to get into college? So those are top of mind questions today. But before, the top of mind question for a lot of people is how to be saved. So we're going to talk about this. I struggled a little bit on this topic because um, last year, if you guys remember, I preached on prodigal son, Father's Day, perfect timing. Um, and I was going to do Abraham and um, Isaac. But Brother Elmer already did that, so I can't do that. And then Sister Dang told me to do David and Absalom. And I can't do that either because I don't know that story too well. But one thing I do know is that the Bible is all about God, the Father. Right? So whatever we preach on, whatever we talk about in the Bible, it's always going to point to God. And it's always going to point to God pursuing us. So given that every story in the Bible points to God, we're going to tackle John 3. Okay? So before we start, just like anything... Um, we always start with the non-negotiable truths, and that is God is sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, which basically means that God is all-powerful, okay? And then um, there's two characters in the Bible, God and man, and we are man, we're fallen, we're rooted in sin, we're in the flesh, we're dead. Man is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. We exist for the glory of God alone, and believers submit to the authority of Scripture alone. So you guys are familiar with all of these, and all of these elements we're going to touch on this, on, on this passage. So just try to remember all these things, because we're, I'm always going to go back to this, and we're going to hit all of this, right? All right, so let's read, <clears throat> and I'm going to read this. And you can just read it uh, mentally, but let me start. John 3, 1 to 10. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Let's continue. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, 
but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? So let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that you be upon us, be with everyone here, that you would illuminate your word to us, allow the Holy Spirit to just pierce our hearts and pierce our minds so that we, we may get your message out of this passage, Lord. We thank you for everything. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so normally we fast forward on John 3, right? Because we all know the famous John 3.16, right? So before we get to John 3.16, we got to understand what is the context. Because we are so quick to jump to John 3.16 because that's what we memorize. Right? I, I think that's the very first verse that I memorize and the very first verse that I know. But it's the most misunderstood verse that I've ever encountered. Okay, so let's look at the context on John 3. So there are two characters in the story, Jesus and Nicodemus, right? I'm going to call him Nick for short. So um, his name was derived from a shoe. You guys know what that shoe is? Famous shoe? Nike. Yeah, it's a Greek word, Nike, which means victory. So Nicodemus was uh, a Pharisee. And there's another famous Pharisee named Paul. So they were, Paul and Nicodemus are in the same group. And what they are, they are basically the religious elite. So these guys are the creme de la creme. They're the smartest people in Israel. They're very wise. They're very studious. They, they memorize scripture. Uh, they study scripture. And they're very law-abiding. Right? But Nicodemus is not just an ordinary Pharisee. He is, on verse 10, he is the teacher of Israel. He's not a teacher. He is the teacher. So when the teacher of Israel teaches, everyone listens to him, right? Everyone seeks his counsel. Everyone submits to whatever Nicodemus says. He's used to people sitting at his feet when he teaches, right? So when he teaches in the temple, people gather around him. And everyone stays quiet and everyone just listens and focuses on what Nicodemus is saying because he's a very smart guy, right? So if we look at this picture, though, it looks like scary people, right? It, it, when we hear the word Pharisee, it's such a neg negative connotation because they were the ones that Jesus was, was butting heads with, right? The Pharisees. But honestly, if you ask me, I would love to have a Pharisee as a neighbor. Why? Because they're law-abiding. They're very trustworthy. If I'm on vacation, they will look after my house. So as much as they are looked at as negative, I mean, there's positives in these people, right? Because again, they're very good people, trustworthy. So just to kind of illustrate on how religious and how law-abiding these people are, when they get spices, like, I don't know, cumin, saffron, they would even tithe 10% of that. So if someone gave them a pound of, I don't know, cumin, they would give 10 of, 10%, one-tenth of that to the church. So th they're very, very law-abiding. Again, they study more scripture than you. 
they more, they're more devoted than you, and they're actually more religious than any of us. So if, we, if you were to put myself next to a Pharisee, man, this guy is awesome, right? Because they memorize scripture. I don't memorize scripture. Memorize a little bit, but these guys memorize books in the scripture, okay? So this man named Nicodemus went to Jesus at night. So there's a lot of reason why he came at night, and there's a lot of opinions on it. But normally, you would come at night if you want to have alone time with Jesus. Or you're troubled, you couldn't sleep. Right? You couldn't sleep, and you want to be with Jesus. You want to ask him a question, or you don't want to be seen. Right? Because keep in mind, Nicodemus is the teacher, and he's going to talk to Jesus, which the Pharisees are persecuting. Right? Remember? The Pharisees are the ones who put Jesus on the cross. Actually, it's us here who put Jesus on the cross, not just the Pharisees. But he doesn't want to be seen because he has a reputation to hold. So whatever that reason is, I think they're all correct. right? I would normally come to a person if I can't sleep at night because I'm troubled because I have a question that's burning in my head. So let's look at their dialogue. So we're going to have a question and answer here. And uh, Nicodemus basically said the first word here, the first phrase. He said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So if you look at Nicodemus' statement here, he's, he got an A+, plus because he affirms Jesus' theology. He affirms that he came from God. He affirms that he is a teacher, because no one can do those signs. Right? So this basically implies that Jesus has been doing miracles already, and Nicodemus was an eyewitness of that. Okay? So he validates Jesus as a teacher. And he's a little bit different than Jesus because Nicodemus never did a sign like Jesus did. And Nicodemus never changed water into wine, right? but Jesus did. So he knows that Nicodemus is a teacher from God, and he knows that um, he's a valid teacher. So, Jesus replied. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, so I want you guys to simmer here for a while and pause on this interaction. Nicodemus said something, your teacher, and Jesus answered, you must be born again. It's not even connected. Nicodemus never even asked a question here. But why is Jesus answering Nicodemus with being born again? So remember on John 2, when John 2 finishes, we're working on John 3, it said on John 2 that uh, God knows all men. So there's a question that Nicodemus had in his mind that he didn't really ask. But that's the question that Jesus answered. The question on Jesus Nicodemus' mind was, how to be born again? How do I be saved? How do I go? How do I enter the kingdom of heaven? So he never physically asked that. But Jesus, again, knowing what is in his heart, knowing what is in his mind, he didn't beat around the bush. He just answered the question, you must be born again. So here we're encountering the top teacher of Israel. He knows about the kingdom. He knows about Jesus, 
but he's not sure of his salvation. He doesn't know how to enter the kingdom of God. Okay? So now let's go to the real dialogue. Now Nicodemus is stumped. Nicodemus didn't know the answer. He was all confused. And he said, how can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Nicodemus was thinking that it was clinical, right? He thinks that it's scientific. How can I be birthed again, right? I'm already out. And then Jesus gives him a clue, okay? And I love when Jesus gives you a clue because the clue is still off, right? His clue is, truly, truly, I say to you, which means truly, truly means pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, no one can enter the kingdom of God. Okay, how's that for a clue? I mean, I'm asking about how to enter the kingdom of God, and you tell me I need to be born again, which I can't do, and now you're talking about being born of water and spirit. So for Nicodemus, I think he was more confused and more troubled than when he first talked to Jesus. So let's look at this. So we're going to park ourselves on these two statements where Jesus answered him truly, truly. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus answered truly, truly, I say to you, no one is born of water and spirit. No one can enter the kingdom of God. Okay. So um, you guys, most of you guys grew up in the Philippines, right? So when you have to go to the CR, what do you normally have to say to the teacher when you're in school? Teacher, may I go out? Ma'am, may I go out? You don't say, can, can I go out? Right? You, you're basically asking for permission. And by the way, CR is, is, is restroom. Yeah, in the Philippines, it's called comfort room. I really don't understand why it's called comfort room, but it, it's restroom, right? Um, well, my mom was, when we moved here, she was asking the person, where is the comfort room? And, and, and the guard, whoever the person was, he was looking strange at my mom saying, what do you mean comfort room, right? Because there's no such thing as comfort room, but it is the R, which is restroom. Okay, so the difference between can and may is that may is permission and can has something to do with ability. Okay? So according to Jesus, you don't even have the ability to see the kingdom of God. Right? So according to Jesus, he cannot even enter. So basically, Jesus is telling Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you want to know how to be saved? You want to know how to enter the kingdom of God? You don't have the ability. How's that for bad news? And this is from Jesus, right? This is not from, from Paul or from Peter. But basically, Jesus is saying that no man has the ability to see the kingdom of God, let alone enter it. He can't even see it. And Nicodemus wanted to enter. And that's why Nicodemus was working very, very hard. That's why he was memorizing scripture. That's why he's a Pharisee. That's why he is a religious leader, because he wants to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus told him, no, he can't. You don't have the power to do it. Okay? So to me, that's kind of bad news. 
right? Because it tells us that we don't have the power ourselves to enter. And it basically emphasizes to Nicodemus that everything that you've done is powerless, okay? But there's a glimmer of hope, right? You know what a glimmer of hope is? There's a condition, right? And what is the condition? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, that's one condition. And then Jesus again answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit. Right? So that's it. That's our secret. That's a step by step. We just have to be born again, and we just have to be born of water and spirit. So, churches nowadays, and I'm just going to, this is not related to the message, but just a side note. We think that if we can get people to a born-again church, or if you're part of a born-again church, you're saved. Or if you have been baptized by immersion, you're saved. Well, let me tell you, let me remind you that Jesus never invited people to any religion. He didn't say, hey, you know, you, you want to be born again? Go to Glory of God Christian Fellowship. He didn't say that. He didn't say, be part of the Elevation Church or the Summit Church or whatever church. Jesus never said that. Because Jesus never invited people to a religion. Jesus invited people to have a personal relationship with him. Never a church. Okay? So going to GTCF never saves you. Okay? Make sense so far? All right. So let's move on. That's just a side note that I want to mention. But the glimmer of hope is I need to be born again and I need to be born of water and spirit. So Jesus started answering the question and the question is, why did Jesus use the analogy of birth? So I want you guys to think about this. Why did Jesus say born again? And this is not being born again Christian, right? But why born again? So just like a typical Jewish, I will answer a question with a question. Did you have anything to do with your birth? Did you say, Lord, can you please have my mother and father be the Bezos, the owner of Amazon? <laughs> you have no influence there. Yeah, you can't even say, you know what, I don't want to be born in the Philippines, it's so hot. I want to be born in Southern California in San Diego where the weather is perfect. No. So basically, Jesus is giving Nicodemus a condition that if you want to be born again, Nicodemus, you have nothing to do with it. It's beyond your control. You had nothing to do with your birth, your physical birth. You have nothing to do with your spiritual birth. So I think Jesus is just like digging in deep in Nicodemus here, right? So what I've done is, to kind of put that to the test, I googled a couple of things, right? So I, I googled some how-to books, so if you Google how to deliver a baby, there's a, there's a step number one, don't panic. Your wife is under a lot of stress right now. So you can Google all this stuff, right? You can even Google teaching my mother how to give birth. And then and Billy Graham and some other evangelicals basically took it to the next level and said, they gave you a how-to book on how to be born again, okay? 
it sounds interesting, but let me remind you that none of these books are, bibl- are, are biblical, are Bible. They're not scripture, right? They're written by man. It may have Bible elements in it, but they're not scripture. So Nicodemus's how-to was, I'm going to follow the law, and I'm going to be very religious. That's his how-to book. My how-to was, I'm going to do more good than bad. I'm going to be better than the other people. And I think that's all our how-tos. Our, our initial theology or our thinking of going into heaven is, I mean, at least for me, is I'll do more good than bad. Because God is going to weigh it at the end, and he's going to say, you know what, Lambert, you've done more good, and you've done a little bit of bad, therefore you're, you're going to enter heaven. And that's what Nicodemus is as well. Right? But according to Jesus... No man is capable of the how-tos. Salvation is God's work alone. Jesus basically told Nicodemus the impossible. So, let's move on to the next question. What is Jesus talking about regarding water and spirit? Some preachers will basically say that this is when you are baptized. Full immersion, water. Okay, what about the spirit? And by the way, there was no Christian baptism at this time. This is, we're talking about the book of John. Christian baptism started in the book of Acts. So as much as preachers and pastors would like to say that this is about baptism, we know that it's not. Okay? But what is Nicodemus an expert of? What, what Bible are we reading right now? Are we on the Old or the New Testament? John. John is what? New Testament. Right? And Nicodemus, what was his Bible at the time? Old Testament. Okay? So Jesus was giving him clue number two. And clue number two was in Ezekiel. Nicodemus should know this already. But I want you to notice that this is God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel. And I want you to notice the I wills. Okay? And we're going to go through each one of them. Ezekiel 36 I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your heart of flesh, from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes. And be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people. And I will be your God. Nicodemus should have memorized this. Basically what this is saying is. Your salvation, Nicodemus, is never because of you. It's in spite of you. And that's very hurtful to hear, right, for us, right? But if you want to know the definition of grace, if you really want to know what grace is, grace is basically God saving you, not because of what you've done, not because of who you are, but in spite of what you've done and in spite of who you are. That's what grace is. And that's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you should know this. You are the teacher of Israel. Okay, so let's move on. John 3, 6, 7. Um, Jesus never let up here. So when he started digging on Nicodemus, 
He never stopped digging on Nicodemus, right? So on John 3, 6, 7, it says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say, said to you, you must be born again. So in that time, Jewish people believe that all of them are saved. The reason why they're all saved is because they're all part of Abraham. Every descendant of Abraham automatically goes to heaven. Just because you're a descendant of Abraham. But Jesus is saying no. Because you're born of the flesh. Right? So if we were to translate that in modern translation, my translation would be, I grew up in a Christian family. I went to a Christian school from kindergarten to college. I went to a Christian church. But I was born in the flesh. I was born with sin. We were all born this way. Was any one of you born by spirit from the beginning? No, we have fleshly fathers and mothers. We were born in the flesh. Romans 8 basically said, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It doesn't say those who are in the flesh have a chance to please God. Again, we're going back to ability. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Okay? And if you want proof, I mean, just exhibit A. I'm exhibit A. No one taught me how to sin. I sin on my own. No one really taught me how to tell lies. I just did that on my own. I didn't want anything to do with God. I mean, 10 years ago, if I were to say, if someone told me, hey, you're going to be preaching on Father's Day on, what is today, June what? Huh? June 16, Lambert, 10 years ago, you're, from 10 years from now, you're going to preach about Nicodemus, and I would say, no, right? No way. I didn't want anything to do with God. However, I prayed to God because I want the benefits of God. I want the health. I want the wealth. I want all the good stuff, but never the law of God, okay? So, again, like what I said, Jesus never let down, I mean, never let up on the Nicodemus assault. He says on John 3, 8, here's my mic drop moment, because this is the last thing that Jesus told Nicodemus. Well, not the last, but on this phrase. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Okay. So if you guys know by now that when I do presentations, I like pictures. I like images because I think it keeps people engaged, right? So here I googled wind. I want to see a picture of the wind. Guess what I found? Nothing because I cannot see the wind. However, what I can see is the effects of the wind. I can see the grass being blown. I can see the clouds moving. I can see the trees swaying. So just like being born of the Spirit, you have to be able to see if the Spirit is moving in you. You have to see the effect. You may not see the Spirit, but that, that, that's, um, that's a self-check on us. Okay? We need to know if we're Christians or if we're just saying Christian things versus 
seeing that we are moved and we are different. <clears throat> so the question is, why wind analogy? Can any one of you tell the wind to stop? Can any one of you tell the wind to increase? Can any one of you control the wind? Same with salvation. Same with physical birth. You have nothing to do with your physical birth, your spiritual birth. You cannot control the wind. You cannot buy it, Nicodemus, or us, DGCF. You cannot earn it. You cannot work for it. You can't attain it by going to church. The bottom line is, their requirement is impossible. Okay? So I, I, I feel like there's a gloom inside the room right now. Everyone's sad. And uh, because everything I just talked about so far is bad news. What kind of Sunday preaching is this, Lambert? I mean, I came here to church to feel good. And now you're telling me that, number one, I don't have the ability. Number two, the requirement is beyond me. So what's the good news? Well, I'll come to the good news. Here. Matthew 19, 25, 26. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, this is when Jesus was telling them that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. Okay? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. That's fantastic news. Another one. Romans 10.13 For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. You have to call on the name of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 7.25 Therefore he is able to save completely not partially completely those who came come to God through him because he always lived to intercede for them. Always. He doesn't intercede sometimes. He always intercedes for us. And finally, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There's no other name. Not, not Buddha. Not Muhammad. Jesus. That's the only name. Okay? So that's the good news. So a lot of us have questions in our minds. And the question is, what happened to Nick? What happened to Nicodemus? Right? He encountered Jesus Christ that night. He already achieved the highest level of humanity that can ever achieve. He was part of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is like the Supreme Court. It's like the Senate. It's basically the ruling body of Israel. He's part of that. He knows the law. He follows the law. He was comfortable. He was teaching people how to be saved. Right? But what happened to him? Was he saved? I don't know. I don't know if Jesus uh, was, if Nicodemus was saved. I do know that Nicodemus heard the gospel that night. And the gospel, you know what the gospel was that he heard from Jesus? 
Stop relying on yourself, Nicodemus. Surrender everything. Surrender everything to me. The songs that Kuya Dodi sang, Ate Salve sang, was all about surrender. Surrender everything. Not some, everything. Right? Stop relying on yourself. And for Nicodemus, who have worked so hard for it, that's bad news. I, Lord, I did all this work, and you're telling me that's garbage? So it was hard for him. So I bet you <clears throat> Nicodemus came home that night, and he probably tossed and turned even more. He was more troubled. Um, and then he started looking at the Bible again. He probably, okay, let me look at Ezekiel here. And he probably got reminded that um, salvation is God's work alone, not by anything that he does. So I think that night he surrendered to Jesus Christ. Okay? So how do we know? Well, let's look at what happened. Let's fast forward a little bit. <clears throat> so when um, the Sanhedrin, the council, was trying to arrest Jesus, right? And they were plotting a way to kind of, how do, how do we get Jesus? How do we get him? How do we get him killed? Uh, on John 7.50, Nicodemus, who had gone to him before that night on John 3, and who was one of them, said, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? So Nicodemus stepped up. He's basically beginning to protect Jesus. Okay. And then when Jesus died, um, Nicodemus went with uh, Joseph of Arimathea. So on John 19, 39, 40, it says, Nicodemus, who also earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in line cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. So remember when I said initially that Jesus would even, that, that Nicodemus would even tithe spices? He gave 75 pounds of spices. So he was very generous now. He's not just giving a tenth to Christ. He's giving everything to Christ. And what else did he do? He started binding Jesus' dead body with linen. So he was holding the body of Jesus Christ. The disciples were nowhere to be found. But he was there. Nicodemus was there. And, and you don't do this to a person if you don't have a personal relationship with him. So when we first started, we understood that Nicodemus knows about Jesus. And like what I said before, and I don't know who quoted this, but I'm going to say it anyways. Knowing about Jesus is fascinating. Nicodemus was fascinated about knowing Jesus. But having a personal relationship with Jesus is life-changing. Nicodemus' life changed. He went from relying on himself to relying on Jesus Christ. So that's what happened to Nick. I think he was saved. Okay? What else happened to Nick? And I'm going to find my mouse can't find it but um, Nicodemus was kicked out of the Sanhedrin 
His entire family was exiled from Jerusalem. Um, her daughter, his daughter, was found looking, from, looking for grain in the dung pile because they were hungry. And then he was baptized by John and Peter. And then he died because he was beaten by the crowd for being a follower. So that's what happened to Nicodemus. So now we know so that he changed. So remember the spirit? Change. You can see the effects. I think I can see the effect on Nicodemus just based on what we read. So the summary is your flesh is powerless. Your tradition is powerless also. But God is all-powerful. Okay? So if we were to ask the question that Nicodemus had, how to be saved? Well, God needs to rebirth you. God needs to regenerate you. And always remember, I always say this, God is the one who gives sight to the blind. He is the one who breathes life to dead people. He is the one who heals us. And that's why on Ephesians 2.8, one of my favorite verses, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And that's where we come to soli deo gloria, for the glory of God alone. So application. Oh, that's a tough question. Are you born of the Spirit? That's a question you need to ask yourself. Second question is, are you ready to have a personal relationship with Jesus? Are you ready to surrender everything to Jesus Christ? Or are you still relying on religion? Are you still relying on your flesh? And then finally, are you going, are you going to leave here not knowing? So those are the questions. So if you don't know if you're saved, now's a good time to ask God, Lord, I want to trust in you alone. I surrender everything to you. Because based on what I just read, I don't have the power to do it. All right? So that's it. So let's, let's close in prayer. And I'll invite the worship team to come up. So with every head are bowed and eyes are closed, Lord, we, we thank you for your message. We thank you for reminding us we thank you for being gracious enough to tell us that just like what you told Nicodemus before 2,000 years ago Lord that we have nothing to do with our salvation we don't have the ability and we can't even we can't even influence Lord the requirements that you had so Lord we come to you surrendering everything to you and we thank you, Lord, for saving us. And Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you personally, who doesn't know you as his or her Lord and Savior, Lord, may you please talk to them. And if you do want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, I ask that you raise your hand and I'll pray for you. So if anyone wants to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, just raise your hand. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you once more. We thank you for everyone here. 
Lord, may may you remove the pride in all of us where we think that we have something to do with our salvation, Lord. May you correct us, may you remind us, may you be patient with us, and may you continually love us, Lord. Thank you for dying, not because of me, not because of what I've done, but in spite of what I've done. So I thank you for everything, Lord. We commit everything to you today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.